morning church. Um, certainly is a little bit strange. We've moved from all different areas in the church. This morning we find ourselves in the foyer. So welcome. And you know that if you were sitting in front of me, I would say good morning church and expect to hear a resounding good morning in return. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. Um, so yeah, this last week we were just we were sitting preparing for um, the service and I just heard the word participate. And I felt like there was a call um, for us as a body to, to participate and as believers to participate. And so that's anyway, that's had me thinking for for the duration of this, this week and then having back look back in my journals and see things, I see that God's really been speaking about that to me for a while. Um, this this week in actual fact is ten years since I came on staff full time. And ten years today my dad passed on and, and is now with Jesus in heaven. And so it's been a real week of reflection and, and it's been interesting because it's interesting to have a look at what it is that we get to participate in. Pastor Kurt and I, we were chatting, and I mean, uh, him and, and Pastor Chantal, they've been in full-time ministry for over 20 years. And so we were just saying, like, you know, 10 and 20 years ago, if we had to think where would we be in the years to come, we would not have anticipated sitting in a foyer or speaking to a camera. Um, in actual fact, uh, phones weren't even as great as what they are today. So we certainly wouldn't have thought about calling out the old Nokia and trying to record the message. <laughs> but the truth is, though, is that God knew exactly who we were going to be. And that's really just had me thinking about what is it that we are preparing for. Um, and this week, I really just felt like it. So I'm going to refer to my notes a little bit more than I ordinarily would because I really feel it's, it's some things that God has has said specifically um, for this time. And there was a, a thing when it comes to participation is that we've all been called to participate, but there's preparation in the participation. And that preparation allows you to participate. So what that means is that we're all preparing for something, but while we're preparing, what is it we're preparing for and how well are we participating in that, in that thing that we're doing? And that takes me through to an area in, in church life in the last 18 months that, not so much in church life, but through in people's lives that's been affected, which isn't really spoken about too much, and that's weddings. Um, we have seen poor brides having to postpone, 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 and postpone again, um, and then have to rearrange all of their, their, their details. Some have even had to cancel their weddings and put it on hold altogether. And it's actually been quite a... Um, I would imagine to be quite a stressful and, and disappointing thing as well. Um, but there is one wedding feast, and I think you're all going to know where I'm going to go with this, because there is one wedding feast that there is no virus that's going to come in and stop it. And that's the wedding feast of the Lamb. And I am sure many of you, as millions around the world, have been watching The Chosen, and it really just brings to life, and it stirs things inside of us, because it's not so much about them and their production team, but I believe it's the Spirit of God on the production that they're presenting. And it's really brought, brought to life the, the, the truth of the gospel. Um, and as we read it, it's allowed us to add imagery to what it is that we're thinking. And I heard somebody say the other day, the, the power of imagery attached to the words that we hear is more than even the understanding that we have of that word. Because if I speak to you about a wedding, we, we immediately draw into what it is that we know in our modern day world. We wouldn't ordinarily go back to the Jewish custom. We wouldn't go back to what it looked like, even in the chosen, when Jesus was in the wedding feast and he performed his first miracle. We wouldn't go there for a wedding. We would think our natural, we would we refer back to what we've personally encountered. And that in itself can be a little bit dangerous because if we rely on our own imagery, our own imagery is going to be 
filtered through our own hurts, pains, and disappointments. And my God is not a God of pain and disappointment. Mm. He is such a God of promise. And, and I read it the last time that I ministered, and I'm going to read it again because I just think that there is such power on these, on these words that come out of Revelation 19 where he says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. She has prepared herself. She's been participating in the sanctification process. She's been participating in what it is that he was doing all along. And fine linen, bright and clean, were given to her to wear. And fine linen stands for the righteous, the righteous acts of the saints. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And these are the true words of God. Now, us as believers would, would immediately go, well, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and I know that I will be able to participate in that wedding feast. And on that, I'm going to take you, and if you've got your Bibles with you, go with me to Matthew 25. And this is, this is a passage of Scripture that, like many, we just choose to take out the things that make us feel good, and we'd rather not have a look at the rest of it. But I'm just going to read these, these 13 verses to you quickly, and it says from verse 1, At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like the ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them, and the wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight the cry rang out, and here's the bridegroom, come to meet him. And then all the virgins woke up, and they trimmed their lamps, and the foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us. Instead, go to those who sell the oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived, and the virgins who were ready went in to meet him at the wedding banquet, and the door shut. Later, those who came said, Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. And he replied, I'll tell you the truth, I don't know you. Sure. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day that he or the hour. So, I really feel like, you know, we haven't looked back. It's going to get messy just with six people sitting there. And a whole lot of people online. But I really do believe that, you know, in 18 months, we've had a look at where we would be, um, where, how, we would, how we would think and how we would feel. And, and we've, we've faced death more than what we would care to admit in these, in these 18 months. Yeah. We've, we've, we've heard about it, and yet people sadly pass away every day. Yeah. But there has been such a focus on the finality of time. It is time is something that we have got absolutely no control over. And God is the only one who has that control. God is the only one who is able to just call it as it is and go like, this is your time to come home. This is your time to come and see me face to face. Today, 11 years ago, when my dad went to be with Jesus, I don't get upset because he's not here. But I know it is, it is, a, it is a sadness that's full of joy at the same time because I know that he got to see Jesus. Mm. A dear friend of ours, Risco, who passed away years ago too. Wow, that is a day. Anyway, when I said goodbye to her for the last time, I said to her, you can have the first dance. Because for me, I believe that when I see Jesus, I'm going to stand on his feet like a little girl would with her dad and have that dance. And there is something about a wedding feast that is so beautiful. There, was, there are times, like I've got Dom sitting in front of me, there are times when she's going to get married and, and she's going to have that first dance with Andre and all the focus will be on her. All the focus will be on what it looks like 
And there is so much imagery that we attach to the wedding feast. But I want to take it back a little bit to the Jewish custom. And I have not been part of a Jewish wedding, so I'm going to really don't put it to pieces. Um, but the research that I have done, the, the wedding really was not too much about the bride. It was all to do with the groom. Today, our tradition makes it all about the woman. Makes all, and I'm sorry, girls, for, for knocking you on this one. But it's not about the dress. And it's not about the, the setup. It's not about the banquet. It's about the groom. Mm-hmm. And I watched a video the other day of, of a girl coming into the, into the wedding ceremony. It was, it's on YouTube. And she sings as she walks in with her dad. She's singing Yeshua. And oh, my word, guys, you cannot bat and cry. But she just, the focus was on Yeshua. And the focus to the groom who was waiting for her. And just that space of absolute adoration. And she didn't need the focus because the focus was on what was happening. And anyway, her dad standing alongside her puts his hands on this groom and he just blesses the groom and you can just see him speaking life over him. Guys, and I want to take you into this word and tell you that God is preparing his son, Jesus, to come and meet with us, the bride. Oh. And we need to be excited about that. We need to understand that we are being called into a place that we need, that we're going to get to participate in the most phenomenal wedding of all time. But how well are you preparing? Mm-hmm. And it is a, it's not a heavy, it's an invitation to catch a wake up. It's an invitation for us to go like, what is it that actually matters right now? What is it that I would still like to do with my time? What is it that I need to make sure that I'm doing in my life? That when I see Jesus, when I look into the eyes of love, they burn with fire for me. Am I going to hang my head in shame, just happy that I just scraped my way through? Or am I going to look at him and just cannot wait for him to embrace me? Am I going to see the, the, the eyes of my father being able to turn to his son and go, she was worth it. This is worth it. This is the preparation. The father decided who would come. When we go back to Matthew 22, we read the scripture. Everything with Jesus is a teaching moment. So if you pick up the word and you never feel like you're learning something, you're reading the wrong book, guys. Because when you go back and you have a look into Matthew 22, he speaks about, he gives the parable of the wedding feast. Where those who had been invited, they turned him away and they shunned it. And then they went out and they called everybody else, which is us, the Gentile believers. We get to come in and we get to participate. But there is a very sobering moment just hidden inside of there. When when the groom comes in, the master comes in and he takes note of somebody who's not wearing the correct clothing. He gives us what it is that, in actual fact, I've heard in in some traditional way that the father actually... Um, supplies garments for all the guests to wear. Take this back into what Jesus is doing for us. We're clothed in righteousness. We go back into Revelation 19. You cannot look at the word and separate and go, it's just one tiny little incident. He is so interwoven in every single word from the first word in Genesis to the final word in Revelation when he spoke life into you and he welcomes you into eternity. Everywhere in between you see the word and you see life. But there is a call for us to make sure that what we're doing, because this guy who snuck into the wedding in in Matthew 22, he was there. He was part of until that final moment. These ten virgins, there were five who came and they thought that they had it all together. They thought that they could scrape on through. And he turned around and said, I know you're not. Guys, my heart breaks at the idea of how many 
would think that they've done good things. In these 18 months, there's been such a cry for signs, wonders, and miracles. Do you realize that in the word that it is even said that but we did great things in your name? And Jesus says, but I know you're not. If your heart is not, if your posture is not in participation and preparation to meet him face to face, I'm going to say that your focus is wrong. And I'm sorry, Pastor Kurt sitting in front of me, he can rebuke me later if I'm offending any of you. But the word is meant to grab your attention. These aren't my words telling you that there is a possibility that you're going to think you've done everything right and you have not. There is an urgency inside of us. The world doesn't need us to look grand. And we were speaking about it earlier, having lights, camera action and that. They need to see an authentic bride preparing herself, mindful of what comes from the inside. Because that word wisdom, when you actually have a look at it, means you're intelligent, responsible and prudent. It reflects your personal mindset and opinion, your personal perspective regulating outward behavior. And we've spoken about it before, that what would we think? That because the only thing that was missing between these, these, these two sets of, of, um, of women was the fact that the one had a job. And just having a look at that over this week, I was wondering, but you know, your jobs carry your oil. And could that be? Could that be? And this is my, my revelation out of it. Could it be our revelation moments with Jesus, where he is more than just a word we've heard, but he's a word we've received? He's more than just an idea. He's my reality. He's more than just somebody who's upon me for you, but he's in me for me because I desperately need to walk with my Savior. Anyway, even the foyer can do it to you guys. I've already seen God at the moment, so it's a good morning here. But there is a song, an old song, that um, I heard someone singing the other day, and she, and she says, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we will sing and shout victory. It is not about just an end destination. It's about what are you doing in order to get there and to get there well. You see, when it comes to human tradition, we've made it, and we've even worked it into the wedding program for the bride to be late. Mm. And this is our imagery when it comes to a wedding. He said, it's okay for her to be late because everyone's going to wait. The traditions of man will destroy the truth of the word of God. And it is time that we sit back and we take a personal inner reflection. It isn't about what Pastor Kurt and Chantal are doing. It isn't about what the worship team are doing. It isn't about how well we're filling a building or not filling a building. It's about how well am I allowing Holy Spirit to fill me, work in me, to make sure that everything I do, because then I'm constantly ready to give. So this is where I just sat with God yesterday, and I was like, you know, it's so nice just to, to rattle some stuff off, but, and this is, so I'm going to kind of read what he gave me, because I believe that this is what he's given me about this. Because I said, how do we live a life full of Holy Spirit? How do we live a life carrying these jars that are full of oil, that we can be sure that we are going to see him? And there are many sermons that you can go out and hear, but this is just what I felt like God gave me for, for here and now. And he gave me four words, and the first one was believe, receive, retrieve, and relieve. The first is to believe that I have done this for you. Receive what I am giving you and retrieve this glorious inheritance and then relieve others by sharing me. And when I have a look at that and then I just spend some time just having a look at what those words might mean in my life and I think it is something important for us to do because we have a little bit more time than normal or we keep saying that we do, perhaps we should use it. 
Um, but what does it look like to believe, to receive, to retrieve, and to relieve in your life? Because having a look back at my 10-year journey here, it is easy to have a look and think all the things that I haven't done, all the things I would have liked to have seen. But the truth is that there are so many good things that have happened. And those are the things that my father is rejoicing over, and I'm missing his joy because I'm so concerned about where I'm going in error or where I'm messing up. And he's going, just keep running. So believing that I have redeemed you, this is God speaking, believe that I have redeemed you, chosen you, made you, made you clean, delivered you from the enemy, given you a new name, given you a hope and a future filled with love, joy and peace, allowed you access to God Almighty, Yahweh. Believe those things and our believing takes place in our minds. It is when we come to the knowledge of Jesus, we receive him in our mind, it is the first place where we are met with. Yes, we have an encounter, but it is our mind that needs to be changed. And then he says, receive this truth. Because now I've heard this truth, but I need to receive this truth. Because we speak about this dis distance between our minds and our hearts. But the truth is, is that we need to receive it on the inside. Because otherwise, I am carrying a lamp with a little bit of oil. I'm not having jars that are full that will see me through to the end. So receiving this truth is not simply in your thoughts, but that in your heart where you find your identity in the hiddenness that no one else sees or hears, but I do, and I want to change the narrative of your story. So I have believed his word and I have received it, spending time in my own personal journey. It's been a close on 16 years of just walking with God, just allowing him to clean it out, which then goes and takes me into retrieving. Retrieving is to draw out, find, dig deep. And find all that there is in this inheritance that you are now a partake of. Learn my ways. Re, uh, readjust your thinking. Sharpen your sword. Get in on the action. Stir up that hunger for the kingdom and for the king. Retrieving is not something that I can rely on any one of my leaders or any one of my friends to give me. Retrieving is something I personally need to get in, stuck in with. It is something that I need to choose to pick up the word of God and read a couple of words and, and ask Holy Spirit, trust Holy Spirit to be revealing it to me. And if you're sitting there going, yeah, but these guys, you know, they can, they can hear and they can understand. No, we all can because we have Holy Spirit within us. And, and Jesus reassured us that Holy Spirit would be the one who would be glorifying Jesus by making what is everything about him known to us. And then to relieve the distress of those around us, those lost and who are in need and that, um, of what you have. You didn't get this for yourself, but so that my heart for the world would be expressed and those in need would be reached. You are the link. I am the link. You are the expression of my heart. my representative, my ambassador. So head up, chin up, shoulders back, we've got this. And I say we, because you're never alone, never forget that. Guys, I, I had no idea, don't worry about it, they're all kind of like, okay, the <laughs> The truth is, is that we've been called to participate and we need to be sincere about our relationship with Jesus. 
this is not a call for salvation. This is a call for you to get serious. This is not a call for us to be able to go, how many of you have got a little pin card that you filled up when you were five, and it's like, yes, I gave my heart to Jesus. What are you allowing Jesus to do with your heart? What are you giving him permission to come in on? We speak about the fact that that COVID has it so fearful. Fear has no root in my life if Jesus is on the throne. If I am doing that, I'm serving two kingdoms, and God's word says I cannot. It is one or the other. Do I have fearful moments? For sure. We all do. Do I get nervous? For sure. We all do. Do I sometimes go down a rabbit hole and, and think the worst? Sure, we all do. But do I come out heralding his name, believing in his truth, knowing that I am called and not getting swallowed up in all the things that I have not, but rather rejoicing in all of those things that I have? There was a very sobering comment that I read that said the unprepared cannot participate. And I'm kind of going to leave it there that uh, we need to make sure that we have that quiet confidence when nobody else is around, when nobody else can see or hear or feel what it is that you're going through. And perhaps your imagery of who God is, perhaps your imagery of this wedding feast has been tainted by human tradition. Maybe your past hurts and failures and fears are the very things through which you filter the goodness of God and you think that that is only for some, it is not for me. Maybe you feel that you've heard it in your mind but you can't quite get it in because you don't understand what revelation looks like. And you've given up before you've even tried. Maybe you've been spending time in the Word and trying to retrieve these, these mysteries and truths and you just feel like it isn't enough. Maybe you've tried to minister to people or you've prayed for people. You, in this time, we pray for the sick and we don't get the positive outcome. And we think, well, what is the point? I want to say to you, don't quit. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Don't listen to the one who will tell you that you're not worthy. Because if you've come through through the blood of Jesus Christ, if you've come through and you've realized his incredible love for you, and you make that conscious decision to believe it in the face of negativity, in the face of the lies, if you allow that working to go deep within you. There are so many scriptures when I sat with those four words, and I'm not going to go through all of them with you, just from a time perspective as well, but there was a, it is not about us. It is just so not about us. And we've got, we love this scripture, it's the founding scripture of our Aces Family Church, and that's from Isaiah 61, and he says, He's anointed me. He's given this to me. He has clothed me in righteousness. He has hidden me in Christ Jesus. We are sealed with Holy Spirit. If you feel like you've lost your way a little bit, allow that truth to actually just settle on you, that you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, that there is no darkness, there is no heaviness. It can come and try and oppress you, but it cannot take hold of you because of the incredible seal that we have. But we have not only been anointed so that we might find favor with the Father, we've been anointed that we can go out and we can relieve those who are in distress in this world. It does not mean that necessarily if we pray we see someone healed. Do we believe in healing? 100% for sure. 
We do believe that because God is the healer. But we do not lean on our own understanding. Ronnie, them sang that song just now that it is all for his glory. It is all, he's a good father. He is someone who has drawn us in because he wants us to participate. He wants us to be the ones who will go out and proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the broken heart and to proclaim freedom for the captives and release the darkness for the prisoners. Guys, this is a big call on our lives. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor because we don't know when the time is coming. The day of and the day of vengeance of our God because that is real. Some will not get in. To comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, an oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. We get to participate in all of that. But I want to tell you, just as, as Peter and John, when they encountered the, the, the guy, um, he was paralyzed in, in Acts 3, and they said, silver and gold have I none, but that which I have I give to you. I cannot do this if I do not have him. Yeah. I cannot pull this out if I am not fully persuaded on the inside of me. Because I have been oppressed. I have been bound by darkness. I have been in the, in the grips of fear. I have understood great loss. I have understood great sorrow. But I have encountered the love of Jesus that makes all of that pale in comparison to the hope that I have in him. This is the message that was, was, was ringing out as loud as anything at the beginning of last year. Our hope in Jesus. He should not be any more dim now. He should be, we should be singing this louder than what we were 18 months ago. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I'm going to leave you with this scripture, which absolutely blows my mind. And I happen to have heard it a couple of times this week from different people. In Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27, never tell me that the Old Testament isn't relevant. God is relevant through from the beginning to the end. And he says, I, God, will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you, that you would follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. There is every reason for us to be successful, and I do not say that in the, in the light of how the world deems success. There is every reason for me to run this race well Lifting up my chin, putting my shoulders back, believing in my King, because He, I believe it and I receive it. I have retrieved this information so I can give it to you to tell you that if He, he could take somebody like me and everybody else sitting in this room, take out of a heart of stone that was so cold to everything that could give life, and put inside of me a beating heart of flesh filled with the Spirit of God to come and to speak in a little foyer. In a suburb in PE, with six people sitting around me, to tell you the good news out of the Word of God, only He can do that. Oh, now, so I'm just going to close and pray for us this morning, and not just to say a quick amen, but I want to pray for you that if and whenever you listen to this message, that you would take and ask Holy Spirit. Ask Holy Spirit, make time for Holy Spirit to come and to speak to your heart, to shine His light over your life, over the areas in your life that you may feel that are important, the things that you may feel that would qualify you, and allow Him to tell you what it is that He thinks. Perhaps you're bound where you just are stuck just still believing, having this head knowledge. 
I pray this morning that head knowledge will turn to a heart response. And I pray that where you have a hunger for more, you would be disciplined enough to go into digging deep. His word says in Hebrews that he rewards those who diligently seek him. We do not do it for favor, we do it for joy. Oh, we do it to encounter the greatest love that would ever encounter us. We've been swept clean. Our house, in a sense, has been swept clean, but it doesn't just need to be clean, it needs to be full. It needs to be full. The Holy Spirit just longs to come and to fill you. To fill you. Pastor Kurt said it a few weeks ago that it isn't about somebody else asking on your behalf. You need to do it. You and I need to take responsibility for our journey. We need to take responsibility for the fact that we're going to stand in front of Jesus one day and we're going to say, I'm here. And what would his response be? Is it coming? Why oh, know you not? Friends, I pray that while we have time, we would do our best to participate in this process, this process of sanctification, this process of knowing him and knowing that we are known by him. So God, I pray for every single person who is listening. I pray, Father, for every believer who is alive in this time, we've been called for a time such as this, to be able to speak and proclaim the good news of the gospel, to represent you well, to be an ambassador here on this earth, to be a comfort to those who are grieving. And God, I pray for everybody, but especially for our ACES family, we have so many who are just going through really, really hard times. We've got so many who are battling with health, and we just, we think about them this morning. Not just with that simple thought, but we turn and have compassion towards them this morning. And God, would you come and would you inhabit those spaces, Lord? And would you comfort them, Jesus, with a comfort that is so overwhelming that all death and, and fear would just pale in comparison to the glory of the King? Mm. Father, we, just, we pray that as we know that we are still within the hour of the favor of the Lord, May we make sure that we aren't worried about ourselves, but we are turning our affection to the, to the love and the, the need of those around us. That there is an eternal destiny that it is questioned here. And God, I pray that we would rise up, that we would put our heads up, chins up, shoulders back, forget that which is behind, and know that where you are doing a new thing, you do a new thing, and we are part of that. We are that link that needs to be had here on this earth. So God, we pray that you would be glorified and that you would be honored. That as we participate with you, that we would see you in the fullness of every single breath that we take. For your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.